We want to summon ourselves unto the Lord.
church. Good morning. So tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Amen. 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 We're out here at the house of worship one more time on this fine Sunday morning. Might be a little cold outside, but we did have some beautiful days the other two days, right? Nice and warm in the 50s. You know, I feel good. Thanking God that, you know, we are out here, that we are walking and talking. We are truly blessed this morning to be in the house of worship. I I know y'all don't feel like, y'all may not feel like crazy today. You know, maybe you're worried about what happened, your your favorite team may be lost. Maybe you're worried about what happened yesterday, what's happening all across the world. But don't you know we have a God who can hear and answer a prayer. We have a God who's always taking care of us. Who always knows what's going on. So, so no problem is big enough. No river is wide enough. Nothing is going on that our God cannot handle. I'm going to leave y'all alone. Y'all, y'all don't want to praise this morning. So, the, the scripture reading this morning will come from the gospel according to Mark chapter 1. Mm-hmm. Mark chapter 1. We'll be reading verses 1 through 8. The pastor is going to preach about prepare, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Prepare, are you ready? If you're able to stand and honor God's word, you may do so. Prepare, are you ready? Mark chapter 1. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Mm -hmm. And it reads, This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, Mm -hmm. the Son of God. Mm -hmm. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food he ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, Someone is coming who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with what? you with me, church. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Lord, our God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. There is none like you, Lord. Lord, I heard Isaiah say you are a wonderful counselor. That you are the prince of peace. That you are the everlasting God. For there is none like you, Lord. Lord, we just come thanking you, Lord. We come to give you praise. We come to worship your holy name, Lord. Lord, you said that everything that has breath, praise the Lord. 
Lord, we got a little breath this morning, Lord. Surely we have come to praise you. Surely we have come to honor your name, Heavenly Father. Father, right now, help us, Lord. Help our minds to forget about whatever's going on and just concentrate. Let us focus and meditate on you and your goodness, Heavenly Father. What you have done for us, Heavenly Father. For surely you have been good to us, Lord. Surely you have blessed us and kept us, Lord. Throughout the year, Lord, we all wait till the month of December, Lord. Sometime we were up, Lord. Sometime we were down. We may have lost loved ones along the way, Lord. We may have endured sickness along the way, Lord. But through it all, Lord, you kept us in sustainers. And we thank you, Lord. Lord, we honor you, Lord. We honor your magnificent name, Heavenly Father. Father, for you are the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the ending. The one which was and is to, is to come. The everlasting God. And there is none like you. Lord, please bless in this sanctuary this morning. Lord, bless from the front of the church all the way to the back, side to side in the festival. Lord, touch every mind and body and spirit in this place, Heavenly Father. Father, just help us. Renew our spirit, Heavenly Father, within us that's willing to serve you and honor you in all we say and do, Lord. Lord, bless every song that will be prayed. Bless every prayer that will be prayed, Father. Bless the gospel of Jesus Christ that's going to go forth and it changes us from the inside out, Heavenly Father. All across the land, Lord, where your gospel is being preached, Heavenly Father, let it change us, Lord. Let us repent and ask, what must we do to be saved? Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we magnify you. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen, church.
Every praise is to our God. Let us pray. Mighty God, we just thank you. For you are worthy to be praised. We thank you, Lord, that your grace and your mercy is everlasting. And Father, we thank you, Lord, your love has been expressed to us through your Lord and Sa- our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, prepare our hearts and our minds to receive a word from you uh, that we might see Jesus and have your word hidden in our heart that we might not sin against you. Move, God, and have thine own way as we prepare to hear a word from you. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 As we are in Advent season and we look forward to the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we look back and celebrate his first coming. Amen. Amen. And so today we're going to be in the gospel according to Mark, uh, this first chapter. And I'm going to read to us verses 1 through 8 again as we are dealing with the subject matter prepared uh, and make room for Christ. Uh, the question I have for you, are you ready? Amen. Gospel according to Mark. First chapter, uh, if, you and your, if you have your Bible, you can open up, join in with me. Uh, if you get to the New Testament, you have Matthew, then you have Mark. So Matthew, then you have Mark, then Luke, John, and Acts. So if you go past Acts and you see some letters, you can turn back, back to the left, and you'll get into our Gospels and Mark. Uh, that first chapter, verses 1 through 8, I'll be lifting it up out the New Living uh, Translation. The Word of God reads this way. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This message was, this messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Praise God for his word. You may be seated. As you take your seat, help me announce the subject matter to your neighbor. To ask them, prepare. Are you ready? Yes. This text basically has John the Baptist being expressed as the one who prepares the way for the Messiah. Uh, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for our sins. And before this was revealed, they needed somebody to help point them to the right person who was coming. For Israel has been waiting for this Messiah to come. And here it is that John the Baptist, a prophet of old, he's one of the last of the old time prophets prior to Jesus Christ to preach 
and to proclaim and call the people hearts to repent. And so he, his aim basically is to them for them to turn to the Lord and be forgiven of their sins. And what we're going to talk about today is about how we ought to repent and how we ought to turn back to God. Prepare for your life to be changed for the better. Think of things you have prepared for in the past. You have prepared food. You have prepared a room for a guest. You have prepared yourself to study for a test. You prepared to go out on vacation. You might have prepared for a procedure or an inpatient or outpatient operation. All those things you prepared and you chose to prepare for those things. And oftentimes some of them you prepare for them for you expected to get better. Some that you prepare for, for you expected to have fun, and so you prepare because you're just trying to be nice. Somebody's coming to your house, you don't want them to come, but you prepare the place. Am I talking to somebody? <laughs> you prepare the place anyway, allow them to come in. But what I want to highlight to you here about preparation that what's different when we are preparing ourselves for Christ, that is not about your preference, it's not about your ideology or your ego or your agenda, but you got to make room and say, Lord, have thine own way. I want you to encourage that when you prepare your house for somebody, they've got to follow your rules. Or you prepare to go to a vacation, you have set your agenda where you want to go. If you prepare yourself for a procedure, you have already agreed for the doctor to do what he said he's going to do. I'm talking to somebody. So every time all your other preparations, you have some parameters, you have some instructions, you have some expectations, and you realize that they don't do what I want, I can pull out at any time. But I want to encourage you that once you prepare yourself for the Lord, you got to be ready to move when he says move. He's going to do what he's going to do. And I'm sure enough going to guarantee that what he does is always going to be good. But are you willing to surrender to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords, to the host of hosts? See, when we talk about people, about Jesus, sometimes we allow them to knock Jesus down to being somebody that's just a man. But you got to let them know that Jesus is more than a man. He is fully man and he is fully God. Yes, yes. It's making it very clear that the one that comes after me is greater than I am. Y'all think I'm great. Y'all ain't seen nothing yet. He said, the one that's going to come after me, I'm not even worthy to be the lowest of the lowest of slaves. Because the lowest of the lowest of slaves are the ones that take off those dirty sands. Let me give you, let me be a little bit graphic for you, you know. Uh, they didn't have paved roads. They didn't have automobiles. Mode of transportation was cattle and donkeys and horse. And they left their fuel all over the place that they walked. And so they going to walk in some stuff. Then nobody want to touch those feet. But the lowest of the lowest, that's their job. Say, so y'all ain't got no choice. You got to go. But he says, I'm lower than that. I'm not even worthy to unlash his sandals. It shows how John has humbled himself, realizing that as I am great. Some of y'all may not, may not be familiar with John the Baptist. Let me help you out who John is. That, uh, John is following after his daddy, but yet he broke the mold. <laughs> daddy was serving in the temple. John out there in the wilderness. <laughs> daddy presented sacrifice. John is presenting the sacrifice. <laughs> And so he's pointing out that I'm going to live out here. And notice what the text says. He survived off eating locusts and wild honey. I want to highlight here something very closely. Remember that God told the children of Israel that they would go to a land flowing with milk and honey. 
Y'all see the honey was flowing. <laughs> he was out to survive on locusts and honey. And he was proclaiming of the coming. His birth was foretold that they told him, you will have a son. And Zechariah didn't believe it, so he couldn't speak. But when it came down to nail, they said, oh, we're going to name him after his daddy. He's going to be Zechariah Jr., Junebug, coming in the house. That's when he's able to open up his voice. No, 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 his name is John. And so his purpose, his life had moments of purpose. He knew that he was called to do great things. But yet he understood that I'm not greater than the one. That's coming after me. Can I encourage us to realize that as great you might think you are and how great people might tell you you are, you're not greater than God. So once I realize that there is a God and I'm not him, then I need to prepare myself to let God into my house, into my heart, and have his own way. That way when I say Jesus, I know him to be the son of God. I know him to be king of kings. I know him to be Lord of lords. I know him to be host of hosts. I know him to be all powerful and almighty so that when he comes in, I've got to make room and honor him as his title deserves. He is holy. And since he is holy, he's worthy of all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. And knowing about how holy our God is, he knows that on our best days, we are not holy. (laughs) On our best days, we're nothing but filthy rags. And so here's the thing about God showing us how he prepares for us. Did you know that God prepared for your salvation before you were prepared to know him? Think about how God has already prepared for you to be with him, even when you did not want to be with him. God had put the plan back in creation for your salvation. Because sin had entered the world through one man, salvation comes through one man as well. But y'all know that one man that brought sin in is Adam. You go back early that in Genesis 2nd chapter, verse 16 to 17, says, But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat this fruit, you are sure to die. Bible scholars may be realizing that, the first chapter and the second chapter of Genesis, that everything is perfect. There is no sin. There is no death. Everything is good. But as you know, just like in your life, that's how our, our days, our mornings wake up. We wake up in our morning, we're feeling good. <laughs> we have not sinned. We haven't done anything. But as soon as we take our feet out that bed, <laughs> temptations all around us, we're going to have some troubles and some tribulations. And soon as so second chapter became chapter three. And chapter three introduced you to a serpent. <laughs> That is more sly than anybody else. Y'all hear me here? And, and, and he got them deceived and they fell short. And then what God has already planned out, he said through the woman in chapter 3, verse 15. It says, and I will cause hostility between you, talking to the serpent, and the woman. Yes, sir. And between her offspring. The offspring of her offspring. He said her offspring was, will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And so it's pointing out that your redemption is going to come through the womb of the womb. Do you understand that Israel's been waiting for that woman to come? I'm sorry, that, that for that child to come from the woman? That's why when, you know, she had some kids, you know, they messed up. <laughs> they killed each other. Then she got excited when she got pregnant again. I got another boy. But then there's just nothing else after that. Because it wasn't the woman. It wasn't the one they were waiting on, but she understood that the promise of God was that he will give me a son, a male seed, that's going to redeem his people. So the prophecy has been expressed and been experienced from times from then on to this now, that they're waiting for this to happen. Matter of fact, that's why Mark 1-2 says this. You see that there? Just as the prophet Isaiah had written, 
Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. See, they're looking ahead again, but God, you said you're going to send someone that's going to redeem us from our sin, from our issues, from the penalty of death. Malachi 3 and 1 says, Look, I'm sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come into his temple. The messenger of the covenant, whom you look for so eagerly, is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. They know their text. They know their word. They're looking forward for God to come. And God has sent John the Baptist to clear the way. This prophecy gives them the sign that the one that came before him, the one that must be after him, must be the Messiah. John is that messenger. I want to highlight this because the disciples asked Jesus about Elijah, the second Elijah. He said he did come. It was John the Baptist. John fulfilled this prophecy of preparing the way for Jesus. So what was John's message? Well, look closely what John's message was. Basically, it says, be baptized. Now, that's loaded sentence there. It needs to be unpacked. One, to be baptized, one had to confess their sins. So when they had to acknowledge that, God, I agree to you, you're right, I'm wrong. <laughs> my life is not right. So I acknowledge, Lord, my life that I was living was not righteous, was not holy, was not pleasing unto you. So I confess my sins. Then now I repent, which means I'm changing my heart, I'm changing my mind, I'm changing my attitude. I'm no longer living for myself, but I'm going to live for you. And I'm going to serve you with my whole heart so that when I quote this, that I say, I love the Lord. With all my heart, with all my might, with all my strength, I love my neighbor as myself. I'm not giving you lip service, but I'm giving you life service. And then he says, it's this baptism is for the forgiveness of sins, the realizing that my forgiveness and my redemption is coming. See, John was baptized before Jesus died, but he was preparing them for the one who's coming after them. And so that's the same part of the completion of their redemption came when Christ died on the cross for our sins. But then again, what does baptism do? Baptism demonstrate it shows how we have been changed. See, the Lord sees our hearts, but people see our actions. So my baptism was basically my outward sign of my inward change. And now think about being baptized, what that symbolizes and what that represents. Basically, it was a public demonstration, an expression of God moving in your life. Do you remember your baptism? Can you go back and think about how you felt? How you, they might have been singing a song, the water was cold. But it shielded my body, but not my soul. Take me to the water. You might, you might remember how you might have been on that morning bench. And they told you that you're going you to get saved today. <laughs> Maybe you came crying to the altar saying, Lord, have mercy on me. Maybe you were out in the, in the, in the field in a tent revival, wherever it was that you might have came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and been baptized. My question is, do you remember it? Because oftentimes we need to take time to reflect and remember our baptism. Just as somebody will have a wedding anniversary. Their wedding anniversary is to remember their public demonstration of their covenant they made to, each, to their spouse and before their God. Well, do you not remember your covenant you made before God? And being baptized? Can you take me back to the day I first believed, Lord? Take me back when I first were saved. That Going back and remember what it meant when I celebrated him and served him. That's why I'm calling you to think about what John is saying. That when you were baptized, it represented that you decided to change your life. Confess your sins and accept the forgiveness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because John knew it. 
Because when John baptized Jesus, and according to John 1st chapter 29, he says, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. John recognized who Jesus was when he saw him, and he baptized him. Matter of fact, John understood saying that, I'm too, I, I don't deserve to baptize you, that you should be baptizing me. But Christ made it clear that this is out of obedience, and John submitted. Why is that? Why did John submit? Because he understood he had to make way. It wasn't his preference, it wasn't his agenda, but Lord, I want you to have thine own way. So you say, I must baptize you, then I must do what you ask me to do. That's the challenge in our lives. That will I do what God calls me to do? Or will I make it about my agenda, my preferences, and, my, and what I want to get done? But can I say, Lord, have thine own way. You are the potter, and I am the clay. John understood, too, that his baptism was with water. But he says, the one that comes after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Why is that significant? Because he's pointing out that what I'm doing to you is temporal. It has only for a moment. This is symbolic. But what he's doing is for eternal. Because you are sealed on the day of redemption that he's going to come back in. So when God gives you the Holy Spirit, when you, after you confess Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and say, you have been marked to be his. So that when he comes back, he will bring you back upon himself. See, baptism is our is basically our action showing that what God is doing inside of our hearts and our minds. Look what he says in verse 8. He says, prove by the way you live that you have been repentant. Y'all see that there? It says, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. How can I prove by the way that I live? Well, matter of fact, the, the church, early church, made that very clear in Acts 26, chapter verse 20. He says this. I preach first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that all must repent of their sins and turn to God, and prove they have changed by the good things they do. John the Baptist was preaching, and another text says that he says that show the fruit of repentance. And it says that the text made it very clear that all came out to him and they were baptized in the Jordan River. And those who came out to them, another text says that they asked, what must we do? And he says that if you are a tax collector, don't take no more than you need to. Stop stealing from the people. It's telling the soldiers to be generous and be kind. You don't have to use your authority against people. He's basically saying that stop the things you are doing wrong is sowing the fruit of repentance. The fruit basically is the produce and the evidence that is good. How do you know it's an apple tree? If it doesn't have apples on, is it an apple tree? Come on now, somebody. It says it's an apple tree, but there's no fruit. What's that, what's that planter going to do with that tree? Cut it down. Let me get an tr- apple tree that produces fruit that's going to be beneficial for the hearts. So here it is in our lives that I say, I love you, God, but I don't have any fruit. Then I'm worthless. I'm no good. But yet when I have fruit. Now, here's the, here's the thing about what God makes very clear that when he gives you fruit, he gives you abundant fruit. That's what Jesus made it very clear to them. says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. And if you abide in me. And I abide in you. You will bear much fruit. And there's a percentage there. 60, 30, 100 fold. Let them know that you will have good production. Matter of fact, go back in Psalm 1. It says that you, you bear your fruit in due season and cast it. And every season you are prosperous in everything that you do. Amen. So here it is that we need to understand that if I'm going to allow God to come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior, then I must realize that no matter what I'm going through, I am producing fruit. Yes, sir. Mm. 
Mm. There might be some struggles I might be going through. There might be some hardship that I'm going through. Mm-hmm. But I know that in the end, because I'm with him, I'm going to produce fruit. Amen. That's why we can say that all, all, the, all these good things work out for those who love him called according to his purpose. That God works all things good. When we understand that, it means just that no matter what I'm going through, I know God can bring me through. That's why we like to sing that song that all of my good days outweigh my bad days. I don't complain. When we understand that God is a good God. So here's the situation again that God has given you a path and given you a direction. Now you don't want to take that path because there might be a longer path. But God knows you need the longer path to prepare yourself for what's on the other side. You can be premature and not be ready. And then you lose out what God had for you because you didn't want to be obedient. I want to encourage you to understand that God knows what's the best way for you. Here's another thing, too, that oftentimes you want to do a quicker path and yet you've got more hardships because you chose that path compared to the path that was prepared for you. Y'all don't hear me? You know how if you go down a road that's been prepared for you, oftentimes there's a lot of stops and exits, ways you can pull over and rest and recover and have a smooth trip. But when you go to those places that's not established, don't stop. Might not be safe. Or you better have a full tank. Next stop is so many miles down the road. That's why you like those signs that show you the exit. Say, hey, last exit for so many miles. They prepared a way for you. Let you know, like, hey, if you ain't gassed up, you might want to stop here. <laughs> and gas up because it's going to be a break. They're not going to be in the exit because they prepared a way for you. God does the same thing in our lives to let you know that, hey, you might go through some trials and some tribulations. But you can count a pure joy. <laughs> you might go through some ups and you might go through some downs. But understand through it all, God has been with you. Yes, and so we understand that if I'm preparing the way for the Lord, that I am making room for him, that I'm removing some things that I need to get, let go of my life so I can show the fruit of the Spirit. Mm. You, you know the fruit of the Spirit. Sure. Galatians says, but the Holy Spirit produces these kinds of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Let me read the fruit of the Spirit one more time. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. Do you understand what's happening here is that sometimes we forget that God gives us patience. Y'all catch that? I don't have patience, but God gives me patience. If I was by myself, you get on my last nerves, you're going you're gonna to know how you're on my last nerves. Well, when God gives me patience, you could be on my last nerve, but you won't know you're on my last nerve because I'm going to bless you and not curse. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. See, see the Lord gives us love because he knows what love is. I tell people I don't like you anymore because he did something that I don't like. But then the Spirit tells me, said, well, is it Kindness and gentleness, self-control, patience, goodness, part of the fruit of the Spirit. Hmm. But I'm going to quote 1 Corinthians 13. Love is kind. Love is gentle. Endures all things. Hopes all things. And I say, I love the Lord, but I'm not going to do anything you do in my life. Let me show the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Because this fruit of the Spirit comes after the 19th verse. It's the same chapter in Galatians when it says that when you follow the desires of your sinful nation, the results are very clear. 
sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, just to name a few. I'll stop there, but he has a long list of a lot of things that are evident of the flesh. And so, in other words, that if I want to be led by the Spirit, I've got to make room for the Spirit. Many of us know what it means to make room to prepare for something. If you want a new TV, you make room for that new TV. You want a new refrigerator, you make room for that new refrigerator. You bought you a new bed, you make room for that new bed. You got a new car and you got a small garage, come on somebody. You make room for that new car. You, you do all the things you can to make room for the stuff you want. Well, are you ready for God? Well, will you make room for him? To realize that you got some things that are obstructing, that are hindering from him moving in your life. That you want to see fruit in your life. You want to see growth in your life. If you want more love, you want more joy, well, you need more God. So make room for the Lord. John's message is true then as it's true today. That we need to prepare to receive the Lord. Uh, We must repent. Have a change of heart, a change of attitude. When it says the word repent, I want to highlight that repentance and forgiveness are, are together, but they're not the same. Uh, the best way I can highlight to you what repentance is compared to forgiveness is that I may come up and I might break everything in your house. And I say, please forgive me. And you say, you're forgiven. I come back into your house and I break everything in your house. And I say, please forgive me. I come back in your house, and this time you got a bat. <laughs> and you, and on that bat it says, you better repent. Because <laughs> <laughs> repentance means that I'm going to change my behavior. I'm not going to keep on asking you to forgive me, but keep on doing the same thing. Y'all quiet on And so repentance means I'm going to come in the house, and everything is going to be better. Because I'm going to change my way, change my life. I'm going to be in control. One thing I think about, about being in control, we use this, this, this phrase, a common phrase, right, like a bull in a china shop. And some of you might have seen this show called Mythbusters. And Mythbusters said, well, what does this phrase mean about bull in a china shop? So what they did is that they set up some shells with some china delicacies in a bull pen. And they let a bull in. And that bull went in. You know what that bull did? Just ran around the dishes. Why is that? Because the bull is agile and knows how to control his body. So it was in control no matter how it was running through it. And so they let one in, then they let two come in. And both of them were weaving in and out, going in. So basically our idiom, our saying does not represent the truth, that, that that bull is in control. So what I want to highlight here is that oftentimes that we think we can't be in control, but yet when we submit to God, he is in control. And he can guide us and direct us that we don't cause problems. We don't cause trouble, but we're left to ourselves. We are the bull in the china shop. We have the butterfingers. We ought to say, we're the one causing all the mess, but yet we need the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. To get into us and guide us, and it will weave us and direct us. So they will, and what do we say? Lord, lead me not into temptation. Well, we understand that, okay, God, I want to be in control. I want to be able to weave. I want to navigate. That I want to understand that I want to do according to your will. That means that I got to let go. And I got to let God be God. I'm going to close with this illustration from coming from Hebrews 12 chapter, verses 1 through 2. It says there, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witness to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run 
and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. First, Hebrew reminds us, I got to remove the things that are in my life that's going to cause me to sin. I got to let go of these idols. I got to let go of these things that are causing me, these false idols, all these things that are distracting me from serving God and from pleasing God. I got to make sure that I am, as I'm wrestling with this flesh, that I realize that I have power through the Holy Spirit, that I can take anything that's not of him and put it under subjection to the obedience of Christ. And then we turn to the Lord and keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, seeking what is good and what is holy and what is pleasing. And as we're living out this life of discipleship, notice it says that we focus on him who died on the cross for our sins, which means this, that I'm following his example. That if I want to be his disciple, I must deny myself, pick up my cross, and follow after him. Daily we ought to surrender to the Lord. Daily we ought to remember our baptism. You don't have to do it annually. Every day you should remember your baptism. Every day you should remember that I repented, I confessed my sins, and I want to live for him. Every day you've got to make that decision. Think about that commitment of every day saying, Lord, I'm going to serve you today. Think about how people make a daily commitment every day to go to their job. And you go all the way there, whether it be for a weekly payment or a bi-weekly payment. You're showing up every day to post so that that stuff shows up in that bank account. Y'all quiet on me. Y'all quiet on me. Y'all, y'all had to like, y'all, all y'all work for free. We all work because we need money to survive. But yet God makes it very clear. Seek ye first. The kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added unto you. And also, Jesus said, great is your reward in heaven than here on earth. So when I understand that we sing the song, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold, is that true? It sounds good, but am I living it out? Because if I'm living out, then I realize, Lord, it's not my agenda, it's not my preference, but Father, have thine own way. I surrender all to you. So we need to thank God for coming down from heaven. To die on the cross for our sins. And then John the Baptist says that we are to repent and be baptized. If you have not been baptized, to be baptized basically is to say that, Lord, I've given my life to you. And I'm making a public display to others to let them know that I'm no longer living for myself, but living for you. And then the baptism is symbolic that it represents me being buried in the water and coming and rising again. And that symbolizes of Christ who died and was buried and he rose again. And so when I understand that no longer am I dead, but now I'm alive in Christ. So then I understand that now the life that I live is no longer for me, but it's for him who died for me. The one who set me free. The one who washed me with the blood of the Lamb. That's who I live for. And so therefore my question is, are you ready? Because there's some things in your life that you're not willing to let go. You're not ready. If I ask you to give up something, will you give it up? And this is a rest because I was talking to a friend one time and he asked me a question. I started thinking about it. We started talking. It says, if there's anything that I have to pause to think about, will I give it up over God? I know I need to let go of that. Anything that's going to hinder me from giving God all of me, I got to let go. And so something has crossed your mind that you said you could not give up and give it up. Let it go and say, Lord, I give it to you. 
It might be like, I'd rather watch this game than pray. Then you better turn that TV off. And spend some time with God. When anything is going to hinder you from spending the quality and the time with God, but yet you want God to show up on your deathbed, but while you're healthy, you don't give him the day and time, prepare for him. Prepare for him. There's no time like now. John was calling out, and they were coming out because they wanted to change. There's something in us that draws us to our creator because we want to know what love is. We, know, we want to know what perfection is. Think about, think about in your life. You want to do everything well. Why is that? Because God does everything well. And you can't do it by yourself. But Christ died on the cross. And he's called us to be holy for he is holy. And by yourself, you're not holy. But because of the blood of the lamb, you are holy. And once we prepare ourselves to receive everything that he has for us, Here's the beautiful thing, that God is still working on us. So as you're still running this race, as you're removing those things that might hinder you and obstruct you, might cause you to easily sin, as you keep your eyes focused on Christ, notice that God will never leave you nor forsake you. He's a present help in the time of trouble. So as you prepare for him, know that this is an ongoing preparation. Each and every day you've got to prepare room for him. And this is how you prepare for him. You say, Lord, you are God. Have thine way. Have thine own way. You are the potter. I am the clay. Have thine own way. When we surrender to him, we let him move in our lives. And we let him tell us where we need to go, what we need to say. And also another thing, when we need to be quiet and be still and know that he is God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you are good. And you do all things that are good for your people. Forgive us, O God, for times we made it about ourselves, that we try to make it about us and our preferences and our agendas. But Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are a patient God, a loving God, a kind God, a gentle God. We thank you, Lord, you don't stay angry forever, but you desire for us to repent and to confess our sins. And we thank you, Lord, that you redeem us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, there might be someone here who does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We thank you, Lord, that all who call the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, I pray <coughs> today they, die, they call unto you right now. We say, Lord, I believe you died on the cross yes. for my sins. And as you defeated death, arise from the grave on the third day. And Lord, you are exalted, seated at the right hand. Father, come into my heart. Be my personal Lord and Savior. I'm making room for you to have thine own way. And Father, I pray that's their prayer today, Lord. You will lead them to this place of fellowship where they can celebrate the baptism of the, and the communion of the sons. And may we continue to grow and disciple one another to be mighty men and mighty women of God to bring glory and honor into your name. Thank you, God, for your grace, your mercy, your love towards us. In Jesus Christ, name, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 There might be you today that decided to give your life to Christ. There might be you today that decided, I want to know what this baptism is. And you want to confess and repent and enjoy the, the unity and the celebration of our Lord and Savior. You guys, we want to welcome you to this place. And we want to make it a little bit easier to welcome around. We want to 
uh, also have a time for tithes and offerings. So as we, those are coming to bring in their gifts, amen, that you decide that they want to come forward to the deacon and minister to say, what must I do to join? We will be happy to share with you this goodness. And so let's prepare to give God his tithes and our offering. Let us pray. Father, we freely give back to you where order belongs to you. We ask the blessed Lord that desire to give, but yet have not. Lord, we thank that you supply our every need. Now, Father, bless what is given uh, for the building and edification of your church and for the work of your ministry. In Jesus Christ, and Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 As we follow the instructions of the ushers that come forward, that's, that's you today. That's looking for a church home. You want to be baptized. You're welcome to come forward as they usher us around and talk to the deacons and the ministers before and be happy to share that with you. Amen. Amen. Meetings coming up this Tuesday at 6 p.m. 
and then also um, those who may be interested in the upcoming Martin Luther King luncheon, are you interested in going, please see Sister Lily, our, our trustee chairperson, if you're interested in attending the Martin Luther King luncheon next year. And then also want to share an invitation for Metamore Mennonite Church. Uh, we participated, some of us did via Zoom, uh, their longest night service, and they're going to do their longest night service again that Thursday. Uh, it's at 6 p.m. on December 21st on those who want to commute to go out there. You, you've been invited uh, just to go on your own way if you want to participate in the longest night uh, service with them. Amen? Amen. Amen. So those are our announcements. Uh, may we rise, prepare for the benediction and the doxology.